T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. This is the show, but Amy is not here. Chris is not here. Johnny Rabbit, that's me. I'm here. Suzanne Corbett, as you may have heard, unless you've just tuned in, is here. And we, of course, have been talking uh, while the news, I'm sure the news was on. You know, you're in a studio like this. You don't hear what's going on. I know the news was going on, but I couldn't begin to tell you anything they said. And oh, I know you we heard listening. it. I would, <laughs> <laughs> you, you would think, I, well, what the heck. Well, we were talking food. We though. were, and that was exciting. You were talking, well, of course, Annie Guns. Oh, I love Annie Guns. Wow, what that Lou is, Rook does there, oh. it's great. And then next door at the, the smokehouse, yes. you can fill up a basket and just have your own gourmet nosh wherever your your little heart desires. It's been out there quite a while. Now, what about this place, uh, Jay Pasteria? Oh, it's it's a great little Mediterranean place, Turkish. Uh, has the best meat pies. It's it's located across the street from Ronnie's Plaza, where the old Ronnie's Drive-In used to be. Oh yeah, for those people know, which is at South Limburg and Baptist Church, Baptist Church Road. That's right, and they have one of the best falafels you'd ever want to taste. All right, now tell me what that is. A falafel is a chickpea combination. It's a, a, a vegetarian, and it's highly spiced, and it's. It's deep fried and it's just delightful. Think of it with a vegetarian meatball with an attitude. <laughs> it's great. That's cute. Served I like on that. top of a salad ah, with their homemade tzatziki and their great olive oil that they have there. Really good. So if you want to start off yeah. in e- the year eating healthy, that's one of the places well, where you can you know, go. Good idea. Good idea. And it's just the letter J. Just the letter J. Pasteria. I think P-I-S-T-R-I-A or something like something. that. Something. Uh, then you mentioned uh, uh, Mexican food. Oh, that's Arzola's. Fajitas. Uh, well, Arzola's has the uh, Arzola's fajitas and margaritas over on Benton Hill. One of the best places for fajitas and the most creative, handcrafted margaritas you'd ever want to taste. Now, where is that? Oh, uh, I wish I could have the address. I my my car knows how to get there. Okay, well, it's, I just put it in drive and and it goes. It just shows up at the door. So Arzola's. Arzola's. My goodness. Well, you continue talking about food here until eleven thirty, um, and I'm uh, George Mayhe. Remember George? Yeah. He's, he's everywhere. He was here last Monday. He was on the May on the air with me about this time of talking about various things that he had written about. And then he was on television this, the same night on, on Channel 4. So it's well, George is making the rounds. I'm glad to hear it. Great publicity. You get out and make the rounds. You're in a, a lot of different places, making appearances, uh, doing uh, cooking things. You still have, you teach. I still teach. I, I, 
I do more and more programming presentation work and, and historical food ways and you know, history and food history is my passion. Right. And this time of year, I just love it because we finally get to kick off the holiday season. And you know what I'm talking about. It's the carnival season. Yes, it is. Kicks off Epiphany, January 6th, Twelfth Night Ball. And if you can go downtown here, just a few blocks down from where we are now to the old courthouse on Saturday between 12 and 4, you can go to the free Twelfth Night Afternoon Ball and we'll have French colonial music, people will be in costumes, you don't have to have a costume on, but come on in, have a piece of cake, and you might even get a chance to be the king of the ball. Oh my goodness. Because I'll be baking king's cake with a little bean on the inside of it, and whoever admits to getting the bean in the cake first, because I usually hide three beans in the cake, because not everybody will want to be king, and sometimes they eat too fast and they swallow the beans, so you've got to have a backup plan, you see? But it's a fun night. It's a fun afternoon. And so it's the, noon to four. It's noon to four. The and old it's courthouse. free at the old court. Well, I'm sorry. No. It's not at the old courthouse. No. It used to be at the old court. It is at the arch itself, at, at the museum. Oh, at the museum, under the arch. And under the arch. Oh, wow. Under the arch. That's great. I've done the old courthouse for so many years that I just... Sure. I just think of the so old courthouse. Now, what is, what's a king's cake? What is it made of? What is it like? Well, th- different kinds of king's cakes depends on the time frame and the area of France. In colonial St. Louis, it's going to be more of a sort of like a pound cake, a heavier cake, and it'll have pecans. I take mine and I, and I brush the top with a marmalade from local fruits that I find. In this case, I'm using peaches, and I'll dust that with a little bit of powdered sugar maybe and then slice it up. I'll hide the beans in it, and it's, <laughs> and it's, it's a fun night. It's a, it's, well, it's a fun afternoon. Yeah, nice. It's, it's in the afternoon. It's I in the afternoon. Great. I'll be demonstrating pralings. I'll be demonstrating madeleines, all these different kinds of traditional French What is a pastries. madeleine? A madeleine is a shell-shaped cookie cake, sort of. It's It's more of a... It's, it's more of a cookie, but when you bite into it, it's moist like a cake. And if you bake them just right, they'll have a little hump on the back. I'll be darned. That, yeah. Well, that's interesting. Now, do, is there a charge to come to this? Does it cost? At know? the uh, National Park, at, at the Gateway Arch, mm-hmm. it is free. Oh, wow. It's, it's the National Park System that sponsors it. And it is delightful. Well, that that deserves a big star. I want to get there myself. I want to see that. I'm sure there'll be other things going on. Oh, there'll be other things going on. Of course, you can can go down and view the museum. If you haven't seen the new museum yet, there's an an opportunity to see all of the exhibits, particularly the French colonial exhibits. That's the first one to your right when you go into the new museum. Check out the exhibit on French cooking. You'll recognize the person in the video. Uh, I wonder who it could. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, your book, where's your book? Oh, here it is. It's my favorite, one of my. Oh, that's one of is. them, yeah. Unique Eats and Eateries of St. Louis. Mm-hmm. It's a, a few years old. We've lost a few places in that. You know, the, well, that's the pandemic sure. and people have retired and stuff. I used to say that it was my top 99 favorite picks, and I've kind of separated them out into. Uh, uh, categories mm-hmm. like plates with a history, places with a view, such like that. And um, I see the Gregorio's Market is in here. Yes, yes, indeed, that's a great place to shop. Now, I, mean, I really like this book. I mean, it's uh, it's called Unique Eats and Eateries of St. Louis, and I what did I do in this the introduction or something? In this yes, book? you did. I did. 
uh, and it's really filled with good stuff. But it is interesting, you know, you go through some of these books, maybe if you look at a gourmet guide from 1984, half the places are gone. Yeah, remember the Ozaga guides yes. that used to be out there? They're they're all gone. They are. I, I mean, people that. go onto the Internet to get a lot of this stuff. But I think when you have someone that can give their own perspective who have a rich uh, interest and history into the food community mm-hmm. where you are, it, 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 it gives you a little bit more uh, credibility, I think, to want to get in the car and, and open up your wallet and order up. And what about the Campbell House? So you have a book that relates to the Campbell House, The Gilded Table. The Gilded Table, Recipes and Table History of the Campbell Family, yes. What kind of recipes? I mean, we're going back uh, 150 years or something. Well, sometimes even more than that because like any recipe collection, if if you remember your mom's old recipe box that she yeah, cut sure. recipes from or right. wrote recipes down, Virginia Campbell had her own little recipe book that she hand-printed or wrote out and some people feel that it might have been like a writing exercise book, but it was very pristine and it had a broad collection. And I think she wrote and recorded so many recipes that she liked, her family liked, because some of them during the research, I found that she lifted word from word from recipe cookbooks from the 1820s. Oh, my. Yeah. So it's 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 kind of an interesting thing, but you can you can take a look at a person's table and their recipes and how they ate and what they ate, and it can define not only who you are but the time period, just how affluent and and what your own ethnicity is and just everything that makes you who you are can be traced to the table that you enjoyed. Of course. Now now you teach, but where do you teach? Well, right now I I, I teach in, uh, in small Places that are usually just uh, individuals that have me to come in, but I was with Deerberg's and the community college for many, many years. And we're just now starting to to explore ways to open that up because many of these things went Zoom. Sure. And I prefer teaching with students where I can go hands-on. Right. And it's still a little dicey with doing that. Right. I can understand that. Then what, what do you teach? What do people want to learn about? What are the, some of the things? I want to learn how to make spaghetti sauce or whatever. Well, right now, people may want to learn to make good bouillon because it's soup weather, making a good hot soup. And bouillon is one of those, I'm I'm going to go back to my French colonial Mm -hmm. ideas again. On the 29th at uh, the Florissan Valley Historical Society, the uh, Taladinor house that's on the back of the McClure High School campus. Mm Mm-hmm. That yeah. was originally began as a French trader's cabin from the 1790s. And on the 29th, they're going to have a bouillon fest, which takes all the the great traditions of that French colonial, French-Canadian bouillon. The idea was to get together and celebrate, and, and because the French love to celebrate. Yep. But you have got nice hot soup. And made with chicken, which they always said the best was made with a stolen chicken. And it was usually <laughs> stolen from the neighbor's chicken house mm-hmm. next door. So, of course, it was polite to invite the uh, the person who uh, gave the chicken, so to speak, to your party. Right. And that was kind of a fun thing. In fact, that it came became such a problem with swiping chickens 
that in 1903, <laughs> the uh, Missouri legislator decided to make a law naming, or I should say proclaiming that chicken stealing was a felony. But just at night, I guess you could swipe a chicken in the daylight. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah. We'll come right back talk more with Suzanne Corbett. We're going to talk again about food, and then we're going to talk about sports with Ed Wheatley on KMOX. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It's uh, Johnny Rabbit. It's at your service, and it is also the show. And uh, Suzanne Corbett is here off the air. We've been talking about I don't know where to begin. Well, let's talk about the, the Green Parrot. Oh, the oh, Green Parrot. And Big Ben. What a beautiful place that was. You know, it was a great place because they had those family-style meals, fried yes. chicken, known for their fried chicken, honey butter, and all you can eat. They just keep bringing those trays out and that poor parrot out in the, the front. Because <laughs> yeah. my birthday's in January. My mother would bring me there, and they'd open that door, and that parrot would just freeze to death. <laughs> oh, it really, they did have yeah, that big you know, parrot. I mean, sometimes I think the restaurant... Oh. Hit bottom when the parrot died. That's oh, well, the only thing I could think of. <laughs> you know, they couldn't carry on. Now, so family style, family style dinners. It's, uh, where today would you go for that? You know, one of my favorite places is the Diamond Mineral Springs. Oh, on yes. The, the yes. other side of the river here, not mm-hmm. very, very far from here. Um, just that on the other side of Polcahontas. I think it's Grand Fork. It is. And it is a great place. It's in a building. Uh, from the 1890s, and menu's still on the chalkboard. Pick out your main dish you want, and next thing you know, you've got more than the meat meat and three that the Southerners have. You've got like a meat and four, five, and six different dishes that come to your table. Well, you know, that is, I haven't been there for a heck of a long time. Glad it's still there. That's, oh, I'm glad it's good. still there, too, because so many places have died out. And I think you're going to, you're, you're not going to see the return of a lot of buffets like we used to just because of pandemic concerns and so on and so forth. So I'm right. thinking those family style meals are going to come back in the style. You're going to see more people doing that as, I think, pop up dinner themes. What is that? A pop-up dinner theme is, it's, it's sort of like a, an expansion of wine dinners, but it's, it's uh, dinners at restaurants will, will stage just as a specialty 
of the evening with a special menu, maybe grandma's old-fashioned this or that on the menu, some kind of a theme that will bring people in to be able to celebrate and enjoy themselves. I was thinking of Richard Perry. Oh, Richard Perry with his, uh, oh my goodness, what was his? It was not very far from Lutheran Hospital, the boarding house, Jefferson Jefferson. Avenue Boarding House. Yep, that was a fine place. They had their big crocks of soup and all that. Right. Oh, he was, he right. was something. He had a couple other locations, too, that were good. But it's, uh, I like the, you know, the idea of family style coming back. I was thinking you were talking about the other side of the river, Castelli's Moonlight. Oh, another uh, good fried chicken place. Well, that's true. That is true. What I about, got chicken on the brain yeah, I noticed that. What about Josephine's Tea Room? Do you ever go up there at all? I have been. It's been about a year or so since I've been up that way, but, boy, she's got some great desserts and pies that mm-hmm. are mile high. Of pies. Now that you're talking about pie, well, I'll I tell you a place that I really enjoy the apple pie is Lester's. Lester's and Clayton Road in Ladue, a, a good place for hamburgers, and they have a really good matzo ball soup, chicken noodle soup, mm-hmm. but, but they really have a good apple pie. So finding good pies. Now, another place that comes to mind uh, that used to have, well, they're, they're gone, so I, now I can't even think of the name of it. It was on Delmar right by the old pageant theater. Uh, but their pies were like their specialty. Earlier, we were, I was talking about the Toddle House, and they used to have what they call icebox pies. They were very oh, good. Oh, yeah, so, the icebox pies were great. It was like the pies at a, uh, Elsa's Landing did. Yeah, well, oh, they yeah, were known for right, pies, right. soups, and sandwiches. That was it. And that was what their menu was comprised of. So you just came in and enjoyed yourself, and the, the, those pies were great. Of course, um, the Blue Isle's known for their yes. levy high apple yep. pie. But I like to go to these little bakeries around town and in all the little towns or where wherever I go because you'll find some great specialties. Uh, Federhofer's is one of my favorites because it's an old-fashioned bakery. That it is. I remember that has a German background, and you can't beat their stolens, but their pies. Oh, my goodness. And their cheesecakes, chiffon cheesecake, those cheesecakes that are light and fluffy, as soon as you put it in your mouth, it, it just evaporates. It just... Oh. You know, they have wonderful bread yes. at Federhofer's. We just uh, got a loaf of butter and egg bread. We called that cobblestone bread when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with a bumpy... With a bumpy... <laughs> yeah, it was all cobblestone bread. And I think I've probably pushed that name back into the forefront again because when Cheryl who's the owner that I go in and say hello and get my cobblestone bread. She goes, more people are ordering cobblestone bread now because oh, of you. I'll be darned. Well, that's good. It's something to get. The place I couldn't remember of golden fried chicken loaf. Oh, yeah. On Delmore. That was another that great was chicken it. place. Yeah, I can pies. still see their ad. There was this loaf of bread with these chicken oh, yeah, right. legs hanging <laughs> off and over the side of that's it. That's true. You know, the the old ephemera, the, the, the advertisements of some of these restaurants were great. Mm-hmm. I can remember... The Shangri-La Rice Bowl had oh, yeah. wonderful graphics in the yellow pages because I remember as a kid that was one of my favorite things I would do. And I would turn the pages of the restaurant section ah. and kind of like plan where I wanted to go to dinner whenever I could get a hold of the money to go. <laughs> the yellow pages. Yeah, I miss those. I do too. <laughs> it's, it's a Google shame. Google just doesn't have the ads no, to no. entice me. No, it, it really doesn't. 
Uh, now, another book, Push Carts and Stalls. You wrote that book. Now, what is that book about, Push Carts and Stalls? Push Carts and Stalls, the Soulard Market History Cookbook. Remember, I'm a truck farm kid, yep. raised on a truck farm in South County. And it uh, takes a look at the history of the market and mostly all of the farmers and the vendors that were there and those traditional recipes from the turn of the 20th century up to the middle of the 20th century. Soulard Market is still strong, I believe. Oh, it's still strong. It's still strong. It, it, it has changed through the decades and through the years. Uh, from even when I first wrote that book, things have changed. But it still maintains itself. And the core has always been the farmer's. Now, what what else do you make at home? If you're making something for yourself and you you don't want to get a frozen dinner out of the freezer, you want to make something eh, kind of simple, uh, not too hard to do. Do you have any standby things? Well, I first go out and steal a chicken. Hey. Hey. No, 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 I buy a chicken and I'll take that chicken and I'll either make it into like a piccata or I might mm. deep fry it. But most of the time I'll just saute it or I'll take it and skewer it and throw it on a grill and just do something very easy and simple with a quick sauce, like a lemon sauce. It works out very well. That is good. We just uh, got that recently, a uh, chicken lemon. somewhere. Oh, it's a wonderful flavor. Lemon chicken, yes. Oh, what about the uh, year of the rabbit? It is the year of the, well, it's almost the year of the rabbit, yeah, rabbit. Well, and you should celebrate. I am celebrating already. Okay. I think a new, a Chinese New Year is January 22nd. So you want to... Go out and find some good, what I would call Cantonese food. The, yes. the, the Chinese food that, that ruled the, the restaurants back in the day in Everywhere. the 50s, 60s, and the 70s. You didn't get into Saskatchewan and Hunan and some of these other regional cuisines, which are all good. Oh, yeah. yeah. But, but back in the day, it was Cantonese, egg foo young. Uh, Mugu Gai Pan. Yes, yes. Oh, uh, Mugu Gai Pan. And, oh. And sweet and sour anything. The first Szechuan restaurant in St. Louis was the Lantern House, Delmar and Skinker. Uh, the guy came over from the old country. His brother was a dentist here, and he, mm-hmm. you know, everybody, oh, it's kind of weird, it's too spicy, too hot, but oh, it just, it just taken over Cantonese. I don't know where to go for it. Well, I actually starting to see a trend where Cantonese, the American Cantonese style, is yes. starting to come back. Good. It's like old comfort food. Just like a lot sure. of the other types of comfort foods that are hitting the yeah, menu. Right. right. That's good. Good to Which, know. I mean, I mean, I did go for Muga Gai Pan right now. I <laughs> could, too. <laughs> right, well, so uh, what about uh, you, shopping? Where do you have a certain store? Or you like this is your favorite grocery store, supermarket or whatever. Oh, my goodness. Well, then again, it depends on what I'm yeah. looking for and what I'm cooking because I grew up where... You went to the butcher shop. You went to the baker. You went to the farm market. And you went to the grocery store that was just very, very small at the time. You didn't have these super stores like you have now at Schnucks and Deerberg's and, you know, those places. But Thank you, Suzanne, for all of your information and all of these tips and all of this stuff. And now you made me awfully hungry. So who knows what will happen? I've done my job. You have done it. This is Johnny Rabbit. We're here at your service in KMOX. This is Johnny Rabbit. We're on the show for Amy and Chris today, and Ed Wheatley is here looking at uh, one of his, 
He's a stack of books. What is that book you got in front of you? Uh, That's the latest one, St. Louis Sports Memories. It's about uh, forgotten teams and moments from America's best sports town. St. Louis is definitely the best sports town in America. Ed Wheatley is who I turned to for an answer. Years ago, I'd always call Bob Burns. (laughs) Bob Burns. I mean, I could ask him the most esoteric, unusual, off-the-wall question. He'd say, well, that was a so-and-so and and a such-and-such list like that. And then if I couldn't get a hold of Bob Burns, I'd call uh, Bob Bragg. Right. And Bob Bragg, when he was at home, you'd always hear a canary. Always a canary in the background whistling away. Uh, So you're here to give us all the answers about sports. Now, what's in that that book? What? what what's the like the theme of the, the theme book? of the book is America is the best sports town yep. in America and why I mean you know we ah. have this extreme diverse history of sports and sports first you know it's not just we're a one or two team town uh, we have a rich history you know 150 years plus and uh, you know when you get into all the little things past the baseball and the football and the sure. hockey teams you know things like corkball was created in St Louis you know. We had the Buds, uh, Budweiser team from bowling. You know, St. Louis was the bowling capital of the world. You know, we had all the great tennis players here uh, at the Armory, you know, from uh, Jimmy Connors and Arthur Ashe. Arthur Ashe had to move to St. Louis to play because he couldn't play in Richmond, Virginia, of all places. Hmm. You know, we've had some of the greatest golf tournaments in St. Louis. But it's, you know, we, of course, were the wrestling capital of the world. Oh, yeah. Today we're the chess capital of the world, and yes, chess is a sport, you know. Sure So is. it's just this on and on, and who were these people and who these teams? You know, St. Louis, one of uh, St. Louis University holds more soccer titles than any other uh, university I in the no country. I have no idea, no yeah. idea. And besides St. Louis U and their 10 titles, we had Florissant Valley and all their titles, you know, in double digits out there for men and women, SIU Edwardsville. I mean, we were the soccer capital of North America, and I think – very soon, we're going to show people what the love of soccer is like here in St. Louis next month. Have you been to the new stadium? I've been around it and through it, yeah, but you know, haven't sat through any of the games yet, but uh, looking forward to it. That's exciting. It really is. It's it brought really back is. a whole neighborhood, too. <clears throat> well, it's it not always a no whole neighborhood. It's, you know, it goes back into, you know, because I go into all these histories of all these sports and the greatness. I mean, and it was one of those things, like, you know, growing up, St. Louis was a very heavy Catholic population. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that was the sport of the Catholics. I remember as a young kid, you were either a public or a Catholic. You know, the publics played baseball and football and the Catholics played soccer. And that's what really contributed to such a long, rich history of soccer in St. Louis. Now, how did you get started in sports? And then that's your career now. Well, yeah, after, you know, I grew up in baseball. My dad played professional baseball uh, briefly. I was heavily involved, bat boys and all the things for all those years. And, I mean, I still play uh, senior baseball all across the country, and we'll head to Florida for a spring training kickoff tournament in a a few weeks. But uh, it's just, you know, the love of the game. But it's if you're a St. Louisan, sports is – our religion, you know, yeah. it is the re- religion of St. Louis. And it's the one thing that brings people together. You think about a couple months ago in September and October, strangers start talking to other people in, in shopping lines, you know, be, you think Pujols is going to get it. Or do you see that one? It right. brings people together. And I think this heritage that we have um, across so many sports is just what this town, you know, we have a lot of things that, Give us bad press. 
But this is the one thing you can never give us bad press about. This is something special, and we should, in St. Louis, raise our sports heritage. Now, what about school? Where'd you go to school? I went to uh, I went to school up Riverview Gardens back uh, in in the days when that was a different. You know, Bob Cuban was an alumni of <laughs> oh, Riverview yeah. Gardens, and then you know I went to University of Missouri St. Louis here, and I have uh, multiple degrees from there, but. Uh, you know, so I've been always around here and uh, just been involved with sports all my life. Now, you've, I see you've got a notice here about a Hall of Fame luncheon. Yeah, yeah. When is that? Where is that? March 14th. We're going to be at the MAC. Based on this book, St. Louis Sports Memories, we're Great. going to go back and visit all these sports, and we're going to bring in a lot of the premier uh, athletes from these teams in this history. We're going to, you know— Hopefully, you know, we'll get a Bob Pettit and some of the other Hawks when we talk about the St. Louis Hawks. You know, Ray Bluth, one of the surviving members of Team Budweiser and Bowling that just ran the country. You know, we're going to go through the hockey stars of the early Blues, the football stars of the early Cardinals. And, you know, that was one of the things. People inside this book, there's so many things. You know, when you ask a person, here we are headed to the playoffs in football, name the four NFL football teams that called St. Louis home. And it's like, what? Yeah, they only know the Cardinals and the Rams. There were two others, and the same. The Blues were not the first NHL team, nor were the Hawks the first NBA team. So, I mean, that's what really drives the inquisite reader in this book to keep reading. And so, we're going to bring that memory and all back at the Missouri Athletic Club. It's sponsored by the St. Louis Sports Hall of Fame. You can Google St. Louis Sports Hall of Fame, and you'll take you right to the site where you can inquire about tickets. You're talking about the Gunners, I assume. the Gunners were one of them, and so were the uh, All-Stars. So you're very good. You got three out of a four. <laughs> <laughs> what about the Flyers? Uh, the Flyers were a minor league no. team. Um, they were the minor league teams of the Blackhawks. And see, the Wirtz family who owned the Blackhawks also owned the arena. And one of the ways Wirtz wanted to dump the arena because it was getting aged and mm-hmm. old. It goes all the way back to the 1920s there. So in 1967, when they were talking about um, an expansion in the NHL, the slot that the Blues got was actually going to Baltimore. Hmm. And Wirtz and them stepped in and said, no, I want it to be St. Louis. I want competition, you know, a rivalry with the Blackhawks. But more importantly, he wanted to get rid of the arena because if you had a team there, they bylaws of the NHL would not allow one team to be the landlord of another team. So, oh, you know, when well. Solomon bought it from him, he, he then took it. Dressed it up and made it the old barn that we all loved and yes, cheered at. Of course. Well, and then uh, one team being a landlord, the Browns and the Cardinals. Oh, yeah. That was a relationship, you know, for 52 years practically. And um, the Cardinals had a separate field up at Natural Bridge and Vandeventer, right across from Fairgrounds Park. That's Rob- where they played. Robinson Field. Robinson Field. Robeson. It was called originally New Sportsman's Park. It was called Robeson Field. It was called League Park. It had all these names. But the most prominent one, as you're correct, is Robeson Field, named after uh, the two brothers who owned the team at that time. And it was the last wooden grandstand structure in the major leagues. And in those days, you know, men, they smoked a lot of cigars, which created a lot of fires. And it kept having fires and burning down. And finally, uh, it got to the point you couldn't play there anymore. And it was a really turning point in St. Louis sports history because all of a sudden the Cardinals don't have a stadium. 
It's dilapidated. Are they going to move? And also at that time, from when they came into the National League in 1892 to 1920 when these events were happening, they were a terrible team. They oh. were absolutely horrendous, either last place or second to last. They were a very bad team. So they didn't have a lot of money. And, you know, it looked like they could have been out of St. Louis. But Branch Rickey had moved over from the Browns to the Cardinals, and he thought about, I got a, a better idea. We can't build one. We don't want to move. He went down and talked to Philip DeCatsby Ball, his old boss for the uh, St. Louis Browns, who he knew was kind of a, I wouldn't say cheapskate, but, mm-hmm. you know, there's a word, something like that. And he said, look, you don't play here half the year. It's sitting empty. You're not earning on it. Why don't we move in and play while you're on the road and you get money? And he gets him to sign this big lease. He just didn't divide it by like 30 to see it's not that much money. And then Ricky took that money and built the farm system because the Catsby ball would not give him the money to do it. And then that led to the great Cardinal teams of 26, 28, 30, 31, 34, 42, 43, 44, 46. What if the Browns had said, no, you can't come? Yeah. St. Louis would be a Brownstown today. Yeah, it would be. Well, it is a Brownstown in a way. Well, it still is. It's really come back in these last years, yes. Now, we're going to talk about that, okay? Yeah, yeah. The St. Louis Browns fan club. And just one thing, of to see a uh, sports hall of fame, is it the, uh, the stadium? Is that the best place? Well, it, right now we're in, the tr- in a transition because it was in uh, Enterprise Center right. at that time today, you know. Um, and when they did the renovation prior to the All-Star game, we had to move everything out. So we are in the uh, process of reestablishing all these displays uh, into a new new home. Where is the home? Yeah, we're still working through that. We home. had one uh, that we were, um, and I don't want to get into the issues, that yeah, was going to sure. development coming. And, you know, the, the, the pandemic kind of slowed things down and of caused course. some things yeah. that you thought were going to be moving forward in entities to, to pull back. Ed Wheatley is with us. We're going to talk more about sports in the next few minutes here on KMOX. And then we're going to hear from John Brown, who's going to be calling us from not from Channel 2 in St. Louis. He's now on Fox 35 in Orlando, Florida. As we'll talk about what he's up to later on, Tim O'Neill from the Post-Dispatch. We're going to do kind of a review of a history of crime in St. Louis on KMOX. This is At Your Service with Johnny Rabbit on the show for Amy and Chris today. Ed Wheatley is with us. We've been talking here a little bit about the Sports Hall of Fame luncheon. Now, anybody can go to this? Open anybody, to the it's going to be open to the public. And the other thing that's going to be neat about it, this is going to be in a luncheon where the athletes are going to sit at the table with the fans and attendees. Oh, great. Not up far away yeah. in, in on some dais. Great we, idea. You know, we want it. You may, which legend are you going to have at your table? We'll lay that all out. But I mean, it's, you know, to get autographs, to, to be up with these guys, I think, is something that adds to this. It sure does. Mm-hmm. And the date? Uh, March 14th. What day of the week is that? That's a Tuesday. At the MAC downtown. That's correct. And uh, now this is a luncheon, so it's... it's a luncheon called Lunching with the Stars. Ah, that sounds good. Now people can find out about it. How? They, they can go to the, uh, just Google St. Louis Sports Hall of Fame. It'll take you right to you know, the information and how to buy tickets right there online. Now, there's going to be something about, the, we were going to talk about the Browns fan yeah. club, but what about the Browns are going to have an exhibition? Yeah, I mean, you know, 2023 is the 70th anniversary of the last season of the St. Louis Browns, and we at the St. Louis Browns Historical Society. It's 70 years? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Are, are going to celebrate that. We've got so many events all season long. I mean, we never stopped. We didn't stop in 
2022 or anything. We continue to have events and keep the Browns legacy alive and the people, the memories. And we're going to have a joint uh, display, um, a, a museum quality gallery over at the Eugene Field House Museum, which is there on Broadway, diagonal from the stadium. From the stadium. Yeah, so Broadway as fans come all summer, they can come and see the history of the Browns display. Now, I want to say one thing. This is nothing to take away from the Cardinals Hall of Fame, which has an excellent display on right. the Browns. They but do. this goes into much more history of the Browns because the Cardinals Hall of Fame is their brand. But I, I give kudos to the DeWitt family for you know everything they've got. You know Eddie Goodell's uniform is in there because that that uniform of Eddie Goodell, that the little three foot seven yeah. inch guy, that was Bill DeWitt yeah, right. Jr.'s uniform. <laughs> but we're going to go through the history, and they they want you know to help bring people in to see this fabulous Eugene Field piece of museum that they have. And we're going to take up their offer and we're going to have a big opening uh, night celebration at the, in the last week of March. I think it's March 28th is what they're tentatively planning. And that's going to run all the way through October. So as baseball fans come to St. Louis, visit the Cardinals hall of fame, and then also stop by and see the Browns, uh, museum there. At, at, oh, that's at the exciting! Field museum. Yes, and it's going to be well for a few months. So you'll have the yeah. whole season. It's going to be the whole whole season from opening uh, before opening day th- through hopefully the World Series. That's one of the best places to park too at the yes. parking lot for a, a ball game. Yes, it is. It's a good good spot, good place. And well, thank you for uh, telling me about yeah. that. Now the uh, Browns Club. What is what is it called? What's the official? St. Louis Browns Historical Society and Fan Club. Mm-hmm. I mean the Historical Society part. We. You know, keep the legacy alive, keep the archives, keep the history. And then the fan club, you know, we have so many exciting things every year. You know, uh, I think it's August 10th. We will be over at the Gateway Grizzlies where every year they partner with us and we pick a year. And we honor one of the great Browns players like George Sisler back um, one year. And we honored the 1922 Browns. George Sisler was the greatest, one of the greatest men to ever play sure. the game, Hall of Famer, and he was on the Browns. And we dress up the Grizzlies team in the uniforms of that year and that person, and we dress yeah. up the visitors in the Washington Senators simply because I like the Senators' uniforms yeah. and nobody sees them. And we give away a bobblehead. We've done that uh, of George Sisler. We did it for uh, Roy Sievers, the first ever Rookie of the Year in 1949 in the American League with, with uh, the Browns. We did it for Don Larson. Last year we did it for Satchel Paige. Um, on, June, on January 16th, we will reveal who the bobblehead honoring the player and the uniforms and everything that, that will come. And you know, I wish I could do it today, but Janu- January 16th is when we're going to okay. release Well, let us know about that. Because sure. it's going to be a great surprise. I think it's going to be really good. To, it's just so much fun. People... We fill up the stadium, people wearing browns uniforms and hats, shirts, and you're watching these teams play in these retro uniforms. And, uh, you know, for one day, it's like you're back in Sportsman's Park oh, watching That's great. Browns. That really is. Now, where do you get uh, hats and shirts and stuff? Who sells that? Well, we, we go through Major League Baseball, and the Browns have – I mean, excuse me, the, the Grizzlies have um, their uh, – vendors that they use. But, I mean, you can pretty much get Browns hats. I mean, ever since we really, you know, we wrote the book on the Browns back in 2017 to revitalize um, this team's legacy, and we made the two PBS movies. I mean, it's kind of funny. There's Brown stuff at the rally houses. It's at the Cardinals shops. It's oh. They're everywhere. And, like, man, 
we don't get a penny off it, but we get we we spread the legacy, and that's the thing well, that's most sure important. Have. Yeah. yeah. And the, the uh, wrestling at the chase is another. Oh. We'll get another documentary. Yeah, it's double. Yeah, I, I tell you what, you know, walking down the street, you're in, a, you know, or a restaurant or the grocery store, somebody goes, "I want to tell you about my memory of wrestling." Uh, at Everybody has a memory. Yeah, they do. And you know, the book has done well. The film has done well. Uh, Nine PBS, you know, continues to show it and love it. And it, you know, it's just one of those feel good times about St. Louis that I spoke about earlier. Whether it's baseball, wrestling, you know. Yes. The Blues finally winning the Stanley Cup. The city rallies around sports. We may have disagreements on political issues, racial issues, but there's no arguing about sports. No, there's not. And your books are all available through Reedy Press. Reedy Press that's Josh right. Stevens was here last week, yeah. and he, Josh said you've got a Cardinals book for kids coming up. Yeah, they've they've asked me to put you know, you, baseball is kind of um, you know. I wouldn't say taking a backseat, but it's not, you know, for decades, it was the sport all summer. It owned the summer. And now, you know, hockey and the NBA goes into the summer, almost to July, and then football starts up in August. Baseball has taken a little Hmm. bit of a backseat in the same way with soccer coming, you know. And it was like, let's let, let people be energized about baseball again. Understand the game. And who were the heroes here? Because next to the New York Yankees, the Cardinals have won the most world championships. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's very important that, that people remember. And, you know, I, I do a lot of talking about different books or whatever thing in high schools. They have me come and talk about, you know, sports and culture and all these different things we, we talk about. And, it, you know, it's really sad to see a generation that actually does not know who Stan Musial was. Hmm. It's just... That's it, hard to think about. It is hard to think wow. about, you know. And so, it, it again, it's... To, to kind of teach everything about the Cardinals and a way of messaging it that kids can be enlightened so that when they go and fill that stadium, which St. Louis does and other cities don't, they will have an extra special memory. Oh, you're right. Right, Van. So good that you're doing all this. And I know we have talked about a program I'm going to be doing at the Missouri yes. Historical Society. Oh, yes. Uh, it's, I'm not, I don't have a date yet. It's in May. It's in May. And it's going to be St. Louis during World War One, World War Two, Korea, and Vietnam. Yeah. But uh, I hope that you can come Absolutely. and talk about. I'm waiting be... for you to tell me the date. Okay. I'm there. I will talk be- about sports because sports, and that's one of the things I do teach in some or speak at some of these schools with, is how sports has gotten the country through a lot of these things. Um, it wouldn't have been sports; it would have been a much harder. Like you know, Franklin Roosevelt. In early January '42, right after Pearl Harbor, said there will be sport baseball. Hmm. You know, World War One, they cut back the season. He says, "No, we're going to have it because people are going to work long, hard hours in this war effort, and you need to come home at night and sit with your family, listen to the radio, and enjoy baseball to relax to go to work." And it also then pushed to have night baseball so that that could happen. That's really interesting. Yeah, and those are the things important. we'll get into. Yeah. Uh, so we're, we're, there's a lot more to talk about, and I know you'll keep us up to date I on shall. what's going on. on the, uh, and I'll get a hold of our friends at the, uh, uh, you, well, it's the Fieldhouse Museum is yeah. technically the name right. of the Eugene Fieldhouse for the exhibition coming up in uh, probably March 28th through yeah. October. And Wayne, before we go, I just wanted to ask you about uh, ballparks, Negro League ballparks. Yes. And yeah. what, where were they? What were they? Well, there were no, several. You know, as I, I always give talks, as people come down Highway 40 mm-hmm. and they see Chaffetz 
Arena. Yep. And then across the street is Harris Stowe, and there's a baseball field there in the middle. That was the home field of the St. Louis Stars, the great Negro League team of the 1920s uh, and early 30s. And then there, before the, the Stars, there was the St. Louis Giants, and they played over at Clarence and Broadway right uh, on the east side of Highway 70 as you come around O'Fallon Park. There's that little bend. A curve yep. in the road. If you were just go on the east side, there at Broadway is Clarence, and that was where Giants Stadium was. So interesting. Thank yeah. you, Ed. Thank Thanks you so much. That's Ed Wheatley. This is Johnny Rabbit at KMOX. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.